tonight looking at the thought of the words of our God. Psalm 1 and 2 says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law doth he meditate day and night. How blessed we are. We have a God that his words matter. His words make a difference. And here in Psalm 12, that's what we find. Share with you for just a few moments. Appreciate the testimonies. The spirit that I feel here at this church. I heard somebody, I can't remember who it was, a preacher the other day say, don't go to the church closest to you. Go to the church closest to God. And uh, I drive past a lot of churches coming over to Mountain View. But man, I enjoy being at Mountain View. I enjoy the spirit that I feel. Thankful we get to worship together in spirit and truth. Our Lord, the God that saved us all, if you're saved. The, the Lord that will save you if you're not saved. The one that holds us and the one that is preparing a place. Amen. He's a good God. And I wonder how much time we take to consider how good he is in his words. What he says and how he preserves them and how that in days gone by he has continued to give words of testimony, of prophecy, of promise and there's everything, everything he has ever said he's going to do, say but a few, he has done. And that would lead me to believe that the things which he has not yet done, he's going to do. Because everything that I can see in this word by the faith I have in my Lord Jesus Christ, that leads me to believe that he is someone that his words are trustworthy. And so look with me here in Psalm 12 as we consider the words of our God. Verse 1 says, Help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth. For the faithful fail from among the children of men. They speak vanity, every one with his neighbor. With flattering lips and with a double heart do they speak. The Lord shall cut off all flattering lips and the tongue that speaketh proud things. Who have said, with our tongue we will prevail. Our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us? Now these next three verses were where will be where we spend our time tonight with the help of the Lord. Verse 5, it says, For the oppression of the poor, for the sighing of the needy. Now will I arise, saith the Lord. I will set him in safety from him that puffeth at him. The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. The wicked walk on every side when the vilest man, men are exalted. Let us pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this day. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for each and every person that has come into this house tonight. God, we just pray uh, tonight that we would be able to take this word. God, we would break it together. I pray, Lord, that the seed of your precious word would find fallow ground in each and every heart that's gathered here tonight. Lord, we just thank you for being who you are, Lord. And above anything and above all, we see the greatness of what you say and how you fulfill what you say. And Lord, having hope and having faith, knowing that the things you say today, Lord, you will do tomorrow. Because for days gone by, you have continued to do exceeding and above all that I can ask or thank, Lord. And 
All that this church put together could ask or thank. God, you're so good to us. Lord, we thank you for your precious words. Lord, we pray tonight that you would help all the sick and the afflicted, those facing difficulties and circumstances in this life. Lord, that I can't understand. We just pray that you would uh, fill us with your spirit tonight. We love you, Lord. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We see beginning in the first part of the uh, 12th Psalm, we see how there's a terrible condition that comes up and how our psalmist David, he says, Help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth, for the faithful fail from among the children of men. They speak vanity, every one with his neighbor, with flattering lips, with a double heart do they speak. Uh, the closer you get to God, the more you spend uh, in your uh, uh, walk with the Lord, and, and the closer you, you lean to the old rugged cross, you will find that the more homesick you will become uh, to go to the other side, to go and taste and see that land uh, where you will feel no pain, you'll have no hurt, you'll have no sin, you'll have no temptation. Uh, the, the, the land where you'll never have to worry about uh, any other person scoffing at you or yelling at you. And it doesn't matter how young you are or how old you are. Uh, the closer you walk uh, with the Lord, the more you will yearn to be with him forever in perfection. Now, I ain't ready to go today. I, I'll go in a few days. But uh, the reality is uh, uh, I have a yearning uh, for the purity of, of, of heaven. I have a yearning for the purity of eternity with God without sin. And I was thinking about that as I was reading this, uh, this, this psalm and I got to thinking about it and what it is that gives me hope uh, for that eternity is the only way I know about that eternity, the only way I know about that heaven, the only way I know about the, the land where there is no sin, the land that, where there is no, sa- no, no pain is because my God has told me so. There's no other way I would know uh, his intended method of telling me so has been in this word. Uh, he's given me his word. He's telling me uh, 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 these things about there's a day where uh, the godly man we're living in where the godly man is ceasing and where people are falling away from the old paths and people have fell, fallen away from walking with the Lord. And uh, where verse 2, it says they speak vanity, everyone with his neighbor with flattering lips and a double heart do they speak. It feels like uh, every other person or every person about like it you run into uh, in the world and a whole slew of them inside of the church house, uh, there's a lot of people that are not honest people. They're not, uh, they, they have uh, uh, motives inside that are not holy. They have motives inside that are not godly. You run into people wherever you live and wherever you go and whoever you're around, there's people all over the place uh, that, that this is their attitude is vanity and, and, and their, their, their ideas in their mind is, is self-service and the things that come from their lips are, are flattery and the things in their heart is, uh, is to manipulate you and to try to uh, hurt you and harm you. And uh, it starts making you weird living in this world when we're dealing with these people you find in verse 1 and verse 2 of Psalm 12. And so there's a terrible condition in David's day and even we see in our day today that this is the mindset and the actions of the people that we're around. And uh, verse 3, it says, The Lord shall cut off all flattering lips and the tongue that speaketh proud things. Who have said with our tongue will we prevail? Our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us? We find hope knowing that God will make right the wrongs of the wickedness of this world. What a blessing it is that God will deal with these things. That God uh, in his judgment, in his time, it's not my job or my responsibility, but in his judgment, in his time, in his way, in his method, he will deal with these wicked people and deal with these wicked things. And go 
going down into verse 5, he says, For the oppression of the poor, for the sighing of the needy, now will I arise, saith the Lord. We'll set him in in safety from him that puffeth at him. We begin to see the words of the Lord come down uh, to David who is facing difficult circumstances in his life. And he's facing uncertainty and he's got somebody uh, uh, yelling at him all the time. He's got flattering lips trying to deceive him all the time. He's got double-hearted people around him trying to trick him all the time. And he looks and he realizes that it is God who will send judgment in verse 3 and verse 4. It's God's responsibility. That's God's job. And in verse 5, he realizes that God's precious words are coming down to him saying, I will give you safety. I will give you peace. I will give you help. I will give you hope in this life. And so, Christian, you may be dealing with the uncertainty of all the, the things that go along with living in this world. You may realize that there's a lot of double-hearted people around you. You may realize that there's, uh, the godly man has ceased. You may realize that there's a lot of flattering lips around. But I'm telling you that the God that you serve, the one that, that holds you in his hand, that no man can pluck you out of, the one that has given you salvation, the one that gave you peace the day you accepted him as your Savior, that very same man, the God that created this earth, that spoke it into existence, the one who uh, long before you were ever born uh, gave, uh, t- took the ground and spit and made a man, the God that, that sent his only begotten son to die and to be resurrected uh, on my behalf and your behalf, that's the one that holds you in, the hand, in your hand. That's the one that has the key to your salvation. That's the one who has offered up his lamb for your behalf. And that's the one who tells you he will give you safety in these dark and dreary times. Now, Wednesday nights sometimes are tough, but if that don't make you shout, I don't know what will. That'll make you get Pentecostal, and I ain't a Pentecostal. God gives us great hope. But I got to really reading into this, Brother Cleve, and it's his words. It's his words. The words of our God. The first thing that we see in verse 5 is God's tender words. God's tender words. For the oppression of the poor, for the sighing of the needy. Now will I arise, saith the Lord. I will set him in safety from him that puffeth at him. You see, you're God's beloved walking through this dark and dreary world. You're the one that he cares about. You're the one that he knows more than anybody else uh, upon this earth. You're the one that he sent his son to die on behalf of, and if you were the only one that would ever ever accept him, he still would have sent his son. You're the one who, when he thinks of you, his heart uh, is filled with joy. You're the one when he looks at his eyes filled with happiness. You're the one when he hears your prayers, his ears are filled with glee. You're the one that when he looks down upon you, that is my child. And so the tender care and the tender love of our Lord is such a blessing. The tender words of our Lord is such a blessing. Look first in in the first part of the verse for the oppression of the poor. Who does he give his tender care to? He gives his tender care to the oppressed. You say, well, like David, the godly man ceaseth. The flattering lips and the double-hearted people are all around me. He knows we're oppressed upon this earth. He knows the pressure that comes down upon us because of sin, because people in this world are wicked and they're evil and they hate him and they rebel against him. He knows the pressure under which we find ourselves and his tender love sweeps down to the oppressed one To you and your oppression and you and your difficulty, it sweeps down to you. And he tells you everything's going to be okay. 
Everything's going to be all right. I've got you in the palm of my hand. And what we have to learn to understand is that it may not be all right on this side, but it's going to be all right on the other side. What are we living for? Uh, we got start, I start looking at the words of God. I really have to understand what I'm living for. Because what he's telling me is great. What t- he's telling me is holy. What he's telling me is peaceful. What he's telling me is the place that I'm building for, that I'm searching for, that I'm desiring for. And what he's desiring for me is not up on this earth. It's on the other side. What is, what, what, what is my, the, my heart set upon? What am I desiring? What am I seeking? Is it, if, if it's the words of God, I will begin to realize and understand that the things on this earth are not going to be easy. The things upon this earth are, are not going to be something that's always fun to walk through. The things upon this earth are not something that's always going to be, man, that's a blessing. God's so good to me. Uh, and, and he's just, just blessing my socks off every day. Sometimes there's hard days. Sometimes there's hardships. Sometimes there's things we can't understand, we can't comprehend. But praise God, we're in the hand of the one that tenderly loves the oppressed. He loves us and he approaches us uh, the way that a shepherd approaches his little sheep. He approaches those sheep tenderly. And he, and he grabs them up tenderly. And he holds them tenderly. And what does he do? He will set them in safety. Uh, he takes that little oppressed one. And you may be under the thumb of something or someone in your life. And he'll take hold of you. And he wants to set you in safety. And it says, uh, for the oppression of the poor. Now, next, it says, for the sighing of the needy, the tender care of our Lord. It's for the oppressed, and also it's for the needy. And I like what it says here in this verse. We're going to have to stop here just for a second. Because uh, for the sighing of the needy, now will I arise. Think about this. The sigh on the breath of a Christian causes the God of heaven to arise from his throne. What a blessing that is. I needed somebody to shout on that one. The sigh of anxiety on the breath of a Christian causes the God of heaven to stand up from his throne. That's the kind of God we serve. You start thinking about the words of God, you're going to get a blessing because the tender words of God are appointed towards the oppressed and they're appointed towards the sighs of the needy. Even when you can't put, now we talked when we were talking about the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit can pray for us and, and, it will inter, and, and, and he will intercede for us when we can't even put words together, when we can't even say things. Uh, he, he can pray on our behalf. Uh, but the very sigh on the lip, when I can't put words together and I can't put a prayer together to save anything because my life has just fallen to shambles, he prays for me and he hears the very sigh. I can't even explain what's going on today. Taffy said, I don't even know what happened today. I can't even put it in words. But God hears it. And when he hears it, he arises from his throne. What does he do? He gets his sword out. For the oppression of the needy now will rise, saith the Lord, I will set him in safety from him that puffeth at him. He gets up. He makes himself ready for battle. Not that he has to. He could have spoken it from existence. That's another way that God loves us so much. He's so tender to us. He could have spoken and the, 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 the foundations of this world fall. But yet he arises for me. He loves me. He loves the needy. And when you sigh, he stands up. Now another thing, I got to read about this and I've been blessed in this thought, is that he also hears the sigh of the enemy. The one that would come against you. 
before they speak it out into existence at you, before they come and attack you, uh, when the godly man ceaseth, and the, uh, and the wicked come after you and uh, the flattering lips and the, the double-hearted people of this world, when they come after you, God knows their thoughts. God knows their attentions. And he's already on the attack against them before they even come to you and attack you. God's so good to us. He knows those that, that are our enemies. And they come to us and it surprises us. They've attacked me. They're coming against me. They're yelling against me. God already knew. God, God is already working it out. Man, we serve a great and mighty God, don't we? He arises for the oppressed. He arises for the needy. I will set him in safety from him that puffeth at him. He arises for the attacked. Those that you're being attacked. We think we've been attacked sometimes. People put a post on Facebook say, God's not real if you go to church and believe all that hogwash. And all this. I mean, we just feel persecuted. This, man, this is the most terrible thing could have ever happened to me. Hey, there's some people who try to do you harm. And we'll see that happen to Christian people before, before too long, just to be honest with you. I, I believe that in my lifetime we'll see persecution way beyond what we've ever thought or imagined in our nation. But his heart is inclined towards the attacked, the oppressed, the needy. And he gives tender words. He says, I will set him in safety. I'll set him in safety. He comes to you. All the chaos of this world, all the noise of this world, the anxiety of this world. I got two kids. You ever get a moment when you can't hear anything? I love them. But you get us in that little camper and can't hear anything. Can't even think. That's a blessing. But the world gets that way sometimes too, right? I'd much rather have these little youngins hollering and screaming and saying, Daddy, than to listen to the world. But the world gets so loud and it makes you feel so small. And it makes you feel so circled. Or just, just like everything, all the stress and anxiety of this world is encompassed about you. And here he comes tenderly. And he reaches through the hellfire, reaches through the anxiety, reaches through the stress, reaches through the hurt, reaches through the pain, reaches through the frustration, reaches through the worry, reaches through the fear, reaches through the debt, Praise the Lord, he does. Reaches through the, the, the stress of tomorrow, the worry of yesterday. Reaches through the sin. And when you're pressed down, oppressed and needy, sighing because you can't even speak, the world's puffing at you. He reaches right through. And he tenderly grabs you up. And he sets you in safety. The tender words of our God. He's so tender to us. I don't deserve it. He's so tender. Verse number 6 says, The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. The words of the Lord are pure words. They're first, they're pure without blemish. Everything God says in His Word has no blemish to it. There's no uh, ulterior motives. 
There's, there's no uh, extracurricular thoughts behind it. It's, it's straightforward, laid out, given to us. We're blessed that we have, a, have, a, have a, a belief in a system that is not based off of somebody else that I have to rely on. You don't have to rely on your preacher uh, to understand God's Word. Uh, and, and what's sad and unfortunate is that days gone by, there were people, uh, we, we had people that couldn't read and write. They would have loved and been blessed to have been able to read and, and read the Bible and understand the Bible, uh, uh, but they weren't blessed with that opportunity. You go back in history and you find the Catholic Church and, and, and Rome there. Uh, you find that people were oppressed and to the point they weren't able to read the Bible for themselves. Uh, they weren't given a full copy of God's Word, and any time they actually were able to access it, it had been changed and corrupted so much that what you read uh, was heresy and, 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 and evil and wickedness, and you find that there were people died for the right to study and understand and hear the words of God. There were people that spent their whole lives and spent their lifeblood and burned at the stake and beheaded and crucified and all other sorts and manners to get the words of, word of God out there. And yet today, the words of God have such little power because we do not listen, we do not read, we do not uh, spend time in prayer in God's word trying to hear the words that are before us every day. Rather, the words of God gather dust on a shelf 90% of the week. We pull, them, pull it off the shelf or take it out of the car to go to church. We have much more opportunity today than many ever in history. I told you the other night, I bought a, a, a Bible program on my computer, a thousand books. I'll never be able to read that in my entire life. We've got so much access, but yet we don't care. We're indifferent, and I believe it's because we're not in love with God's words. And he has pure words, without blemish. He has tender words, and he has tried words. The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of the earth. These words are pure, they're without blemish, and they face great heat. I saw something yesterday on the internet, for what that's worth. The Skeptic's Bible. That'll give you a blessing. The Skeptic's Bible. We've gotten philosophy behind the pulpits, haven't we? We've gotten philosophy in the minds of young people, old people, everybody. Philosophy's become the mind. We have to make it make sense. We've forgotten the fact that the Holy Spirit is what helps me discern the Scriptures. We're relying on my own understanding. There's a skeptic's Bible. Really want to, you know, if you're skeptical... You can still read the Bible. Hey, there's nothing naturally inside of me that under, wants, to, uh, wants to understand, does understand things. It's by the help of the Lord and the grace of God and through his Holy Spirit that I'm taught anything. What I've realized is that there's always been skeptics and there's always been people that cry out against it. And science has tried to disprove it and uh, people eventually come up with new forms and new fashions to explain why things are the way they are. And we've heard about the Big Bang and we've heard about uh, uh, how we've evolved from apes and we've heard how uh, man uh, come out of the ground somewhere, uh, uh, grew up like a, like a tree out of the ground somewhere. And, and we forget that these stories sound like what the Bible says and how man was taken from, from dirt and spit and made into man but yet we've been taught that the science thinks well they come from this place this way some way somehow a million years ago ago and we forget God's given us tried true words they've been put through the heat people have had their own ideas their own thoughts their own 
understanding of the Bible for years. People say, well, I can explain this with science. But God's words, they've been through the heat. They've been tried in the fire. They're as pure as you can get. Finally, end of verse 6, it says, purified seven times. They, they faced the test of time over and over and over again. I got to thinking about that. And I began to really dig into what this verse was saying and got to thinking about how God's words are tried and they're true. They've been, uh, uh, they're pure and they're without blemish. They've been through the greatest heat and people trying to explain uh, that, that the Bible is just some man-made thought-up thing. Somebody was, uh, was crazy, lived out in the woods, and they just come up with the Bible 2,000 years ago, or some, somebody just thought all this stuff up, and uh, it's just a myth. It's just uh, some folk tale, uh, uh, but it's faced the test of time. And I got to thinking about that is how uh, the excellent testimony of God's trustworthiness that we are benefactors of, going back to how that, that God told Abraham that his seed, uh, would be upon the earth forever, how God would preserve his seed and God would bless his seed, how uh, God told Moses that uh, he would go and free the children from Israel and how God would send him. And when he said he couldn't, God gave him somebody that could speak for him. And he went over there and what happened? God freed the children of Israel. And when God did that, God took them on and, and, and they wandered around in the wilderness, but God was with them the whole time. How God called Samuel into the ministry and he never left him. How God told David uh, that, that, that he would be the king in Israel and how God told him that he would bless him and God told him that he would be beside him and how through this sin and how through Saul and how through all the things of this world God had his hands uh, around the life of David because his words were pure how God told uh, the prophets through the prophets that they would that he would send a Messiah that there would be that one that would come that would be risen up from the ground from the most unexpected of places and how our Savior Jesus Christ was born and how he was born of a virgin came from a virgin's womb something that nobody uh, uh, could could believe or understand, but it had to be that way to fulfill the prophecies uh, given by the prophets in days of old, how uh, God sent his son uh, up on Calvary and how Jesus told his disciples that uh, in just three days he would get up and he would walk again and how God... Uh, through the power of the Lord and through his son Jesus Christ, how he did that, how he uh, went up and he was uh, ascended to heaven and he told uh, his disciples once again that I will come again and I have hope knowing that because of the proof before that what he said he would do, he did do and what he says that he will do that he has not yet to do, he will do because his words are pure. God's so good to us and he's given us this pure, precious word without blemish. There's all kinds of criticism. And you get people say, well, it should say this, should say that. We've got God's precious word. We've got God's pure word. Doesn't need any changing. Doesn't need any fixing. Doesn't need any adjusting. Doesn't need any new eyes on it. Hey, the Bible wasn't written in the English language. But I believe my King James Bible. I believe that God's blessed us. And there are people out there, they want to change it, they want to adjust it. I don't like the blood. We've got to take out the blood. I don't really know. And, and, and it went from the blood is a little bit, a little bit much. Well, we've got we've to, I don't know that a, a virgin can really have a, have a baby. Hey, we've let people that don't believe in God, that don't believe in the words of God, Get a hold of the word of God. His words are pure. He needs nobody to come in and tell us what it says. Pure words. Proven words. 
They face the heat. They face time. Tender words. Tried words. And finally, finish up here in verse 7. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. He's got timeless words. Tender, tried, and timeless. The same word that over a period of years was given to man by the inspiration of God. Written down and recorded. The same word that men, women during the Reformation were burned at the stake to try to put in your hands and my hands. The word that persecuted Jews during the Holocaust would tear up and fold up and hide under their fingernails just to have but a verse of Scripture. The word that your grandma and grandpa were married in front of in the eyes of God and the government 75 years ago before you was even thought of. The word that you've had in your home by your bedside every day and every night for the length of your life. The word you're holding in your hand, the word we're supposed to write on the table of our hearts, the word I'm preaching to you from right now is timeless. From this point forward, nothing changes. From this point forward, it's as powerful today as it ever has been. Nothing about this moment changes the word other than expounding upon the word. It's timeless. There's no new revelation. There's, it's the same as it always has been. It's timeless. It's, kept, it's a kept word. Thou shalt keep them. That's God's tender and tried and true promise that he will keep his word. O Lord, thou shalt preserve them. It's a kept word and it's a protected word. God's blessed us with his word and he'll preserve it. Say, well, what if you got rid of every Bible upon the earth? It's still here. It's in our hearts. God, I believe God would give it, give it to us again. Some way, somehow. He's God. He, he, he figures that part out. What about people that can't speak it or understand it? Hey, we're blessed with people that go into jungles, learn people's languages just to write out one verse, John 3, 16, in a tongue that is nearly extinct. That's how good God is. That's how timeless his word is. The word that he gave Moses, the word that he gave Ezekiel, the word that he gave the disciples, the word that he gave the reformers, the word that he gave the little mountain preachers 100 years ago, that preached our family that was out living in the world. Nobody else in the country gave anybody in the mountains a chance because everybody in the mountains was just ignorant people. That's where all the ignorant criminals went to the mountains. Amen? That's what I come from. But guess what? There's some preacher man somewhere. Nobody knows his name. Nobody will ever know his name. He come by riding a horse, knocked on your grandma and grandpa's door. 
You ever heard about Jesus Christ? Well, I've heard, but I don't believe. People tell me I'm not much. I ain't got anything. You don't have to have anything. He's got it all. Let me open his word. Let me share you his word. I can't read. I can't write. I can read for you. Just trust his word. And today, those under the sound of my voice, maybe you don't believe, maybe you do, maybe you need to be reminded of how timeless his words are. Look back through the eons of history before God created this world. I don't know what he was doing. It's none of my business. I'm not God. Before time, man, and the earth existed, God's word existed then. God's word was pure then. This very moment, God's word exists and it's pure. And a thousand years from now, if this world is still turning, it's going to look like Mars. But if it keeps turning for a thousand years, God's word will be pure, will be holy, will be preserved in a thousand years. Why? Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. Their eternal words. One day on the other side. They'll still be pure. They'll still be holy. They'll still be tried and true. Amen.